Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we have the privilege of talking with JC. Now, you may not recognize the name, uh, but he has a podcast that I, I want you guys to go out, check out and listen. I'm I'm a subscriber. I love his show. And so I wanted him on today because his show uh, is called Hashtag uh, Dad Swag. And the reason I like it, well, I'm a dad and I like hearing what other dads are, are doing and what they're trying to do and why, you know, and, and how they're trying to improve themselves. But even the better part about it is that a lot of parenting shows can, can get into a point where they're, they talk almost down to the father or the mother and say, oh, well, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. I have yet to hear anything like that uh, from either JC or his guests uh, on this show. So it's a real nice, it's upbeat, it's encouraging, and it's uplifting uh, to each of the the parents that are listening. So uh, as dad, you know, I I give it the dad seal of approval uh, from this end. So JC, thank you so much for being a guest on Focused on Forward today. Thank you so much for having me, man. That's, uh, we've been planning this for a couple months now, so I'm, I'm happy we're able to put it together finally. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, everybody that comes on the show, there's, there's always a backstory of what somebody has to deal with, what they go through in life, what they're working around uh, in order to get them to where they're at, to where, as our show is called, so where they can become focused on forward. So what I'd like to do is turn the microphone over to you here and let you tell our audience a little bit about who JC is, what he's gone through in life, and how we've gotten to the point of you sitting here talking to me on Focused on Forward. Absolutely. Well, uh, once again, a um, huge fan of Focused on Forward, man, and uh, you know, for you to have uh, reached out to me, I think it was via a, a post, a common post. We were in a group together, and yeah, um, you reached out to me, and um, that was that was an honor for me. You know, any opportunity that I get to either talk about my story or hear someone else's story, um, whether I'm sharing or I'm, I'm receiving the story, uh, I'm very grateful because I try to learn from other people's experiences. I feel like we should be just striving to be 1% better every day, you know, just 1%. It's not, Absolutely, not too yeah. much, but if you can be better, then be better, you know, and yeah. uh, the way I feel that I get better is by learning from uh, not just my experience, not just my success and my failures, but other people's as well, you know, mm-hmm. so um, huge fan of the show, like I said, man, and it, it is definitely a pleasure and an honor to be here, man. Um, oh, thank you. My my story. <laughs> uh, I've gone through a lot in life, man. Um, you, you've heard the podcast. I, You know, yeah. I, I try to be as the thing about me is I try to be transparent, you know, yeah. because you never know which one of those details you know, because somebody could say, oh, you know, that doesn't really necessarily relate to me or mm-hmm. it kind of relates to me or it doesn't. But it's just one of those details that you leave out 
that could change somebody's perspective, could change somebody's life, could change somebody's outlook on their life, on their fatherhood journey, on their own life, you know, in general. So, okay. yeah. um, growing up, um, I, I want to call it, I was in two single parent houses, but both my parents were in a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and uh, I was, uh, I'm African-American Filipino. So okay. um, I'm African-American and a Pacific Islander. Some people call it Asian. Some people call it Pacific Islander. According to the DOJ, we are Pacific Islander. So I say Pacific Islander. <laughs> but, Fair but, enough. Um, but I, 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 I grew up. Hmm, I grew up always feeling like I wasn't good enough. You know, um, I wasn't black enough. I wasn't Pacific Islander enough, you know. Uh, I'm 5'10", so I wasn't tall enough, you know, <laughs> like, and, and those are, that's obviously now, but, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that feeling of not being good enough, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you live in a household at a young age where you feel like your, your mother uh, confirms that for you, you kind of go down a bad, a bad hole, man, you know, go down this rabbit hole of life where you're just kind of sputtering, you don't know what it is, what, what to do. And at a, at a young age, it's kind of hard to decipher what those emotions are. You may know right from wrong, but you, <laughs> but sometimes there's peace and chaos. So I don't know if that makes sense to some people, you know, okay. uh, you, you look at some people's relationships, whether it be with their spouse, whether it be with their, their family. Um, and a lot of people self-sabotage because they are, they're comforted by the chaos. They're comforted by the turmoil. And that was kind of me. For, for a while, you know, at, at a young age, uh, I didn't know my dad until I was about six, seven years old. And, um, you know, my my mom, she was with this uh, man, <laughs> we'll, we'll call him a man <laughs> for, for lack of better <laughs> words. He's not a man in my in my book, but um, for, the, for the purpose of this discussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, she was with this man and uh, he caused a lot of childhood trauma for me um you know my my mom I've always felt like she loved me conditionally you know um she was um she was very passionate but she didn't have much compassion I don't know if that makes sense you know, when, when she wanted to be a mom she was very passionate about it mm-hmm. when she wanted to be but when it came to compassion when it came to the I'm sorry's or the I, I love you's, they only came if it was tied to an agenda. Okay. Um, so at, a, at an early age, man, um, I was physically abused, sexually abused, um, mentally and emotionally abused. Um, you know, my, my mom used to say things to me like, um, I wish I had an abortion. My mom actually had oh, wow. a miscarriage. Yeah, my, my mom actually had a miscarriage. And um, when I was, this is a little uh, further down the line, but just a, a, an example of the things I've heard in my lifetime, um, you know, she, she had a miscarriage um, and she used to tell me that she wishes I was the miscarriage. And, you know, oh, not, you know, um, and, uh, you know, just, just, I don't want you, you know, you're not my son, you know, those kind of things, right? Soul crushing um, words to hear from your mother. Oh yeah, you know, especially when that's the only parent you know for a while. Sure. You know? Um uh, you know, I've been thrown through I've been thrown through 
through tables. Um, you know, her her love interest at that time was um, very heavily on drugs. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, he used to force me. And what I mean by force, I mean by physically force. I was in elementary school and um, he used to make me stand against the wall and watch him have sex with other women in in the thought process that he was teaching me how to be a man right now when I say sexual abuse it's not that I was you know ever touched or um I, I mean he he asked he asked um some of the women that he was with you know to to touch me um but it never went it never went that far you know um mm-hmm. I would kind of break down and cry and <laughs> then I would get beat for crying because I was on a man you know but I was yeah. I was young you know and uh <laughs> it was wrong you know oh absolutely um, it was yeah. But but uh you know, he he used to force me to watch watch him have sex with other women. And then if I tried to tell my mom, I'd get beat. And my beatings weren't the with the you know, with the belt. Well, the belt was was a was a Disneyland trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um I've been um beat in the shower with uh, curtain rods. And I don't mean the curtain rods that hold your curtains, I mean uh, you know those curtains that everyone hates, those white curtains. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're flimsy, yeah. the plastic ones. Well the stick that turns that thing is kind of flimsy it has a has, has a whipping effect kind it has of plastic. tremendous yeah tremendous bend to it if you get swung yeah so um i've been beat in the shower uh with that um i've passed out with my head held underwater um uh it's, it's not as as dark now but uh you know uh, i've had my neck slit um you know oh man things, things like that you know i'd come home and he'd be you know face deep in uh, you know, a pile of coke, you know, and we only had a one bedroom uh, apartment. So, you know, when my mom was at work, you know, he would do whatever he wanted to do, you know, so um, I would wake up in the morning with, you know, coke, coke on my skin, coke on my shirt, you know, um, it was just, it was just a crazy, uh, crazy time. And the, the time that I remember really just finally feeling defeated, like no one loved me, no one cared about me. Was uh, I, I had just got my yellow belt in uh, Kaju Kempo, and I remember they were they by they my mom and her her man at the time. Um, they had went out for the night. They came home late, and I I was awakened to the sound of skin on skin, and I knew he had hit her. I don't remember if it was her screaming that woke me up or if it was just the sound of contact that woke me up at that age, it sounded the same, you know, sure. um, I woke up and, uh, they were in the living room. And like I said, we were in a, we were in a one bedroom. So I was home alone, by the way. Um, and, uh, in elementary school, <laughs> I remember seeing him full mounted on her for those who don't know what full mount is. If you watch UFC, it's when both mm-hmm. legs are under the person's hips and uh you're straddling yeah and he was he, he was pummeling her like yeah. a man now it's my domi- said, domination position absolutely and and my mom is uh, like i said i'm, I'm african-american and filipino my mom is four foot nine filipino woman and she has a tendency to date these six foot two six foot three six foot five <laughs> you know just big from the street big, black yeah. guys you know big I mean? dudes yeah except for my dad and i'll, I'll get to that okay. um but uh you know, uh, I just remember throwing my body into him as much as I could. And it nudged him just enough for him to kind of 
get off full mount. And then all I could do was just lay on top of her. And from there, I took the beating for her. He didn't stop. He remounted both of us and I was punched in the head. I was punched in the back. I was punched in the neck. She cried and told me, go back in the room. You know, it, it's okay. I remember watching his silhouette leave the apartment. He walked past the bedroom and uh, we were on the first floor and uh, she came in. And uh, <laughs> this is probably why I don't like the movie, The Ring, because if you ever watch The Ring, when mm-hmm. the, the girl's hair is just all the way down and she's, you know, kind of has a sluggish limp with the dress. Yeah. It's kind of what my mom looked like in the moonlight, you know, you know, it just it was hitting her uh, the right way and she was limping. And I thought for a moment we were going to like embrace each other and kind of console each other and, you know, we'll maybe come up with a plan to get out of here you know mm-hmm. at, at such an early age I was already thinking about my escape route right yeah but she she beat me um <clears throat> she beat me uh with his belt and and the buckle side um and blamed me for him leaving oh my so I made my first parenting choice at seven years old I want to say seven years old, seven or eight. Okay. Maybe eight. I was, I walked to school that day, the next day. And uh, I told myself I would never put my hands on whatever kid that I have. And I would never put my hands on my wife or my girlfriend or any girl. Right. Um, And to this day, that still reigns true and it will forever reign true. But Absolutely. I tell people all the time that parenting doesn't start when you become a parent. It starts when you comprehend who your parents are and the kind of environment you're raised in, right? Because once you start taking things from your dad, once you start taking things from your mom, if your dad likes to use his hands and he works on cars, you know, eventually that may be a, a trait that you take and then you pass down to your kids, right? right? If, he, if he's a hard worker and he knows how to get money in order to pay for the car to get fixed, well, then work ethic in school and things like that may be certain things that you take from his journey that you pass to your kids. I just knew domestic abuse wasn't something that I wanted to pass to my kids. So that was my first uh, generational curse that I broke. <laughs> so All right. um, that, that was that was kind of my, my childhood growing up, you know, um, running so where, and then go ahead. Where was your your natural father during all of this time? So um, I live in California. Um, I, I'm from Pittsburgh uh, in the Bay Area and okay. uh, Bay Area, San Francisco, people correlate the same thing. Um, my dad lived in Sacramento, so he was about two and a half hours away. Um, but so here's here's how this all ties together, because it sounds kind of random. But let me let me give you a, a shock factor and the the oh, my goodness factor. OK, so the man who did all the abuse. The man who basically used me as a punching bag all my life, used my mom as a punching bag, and my dad. The reason my dad wasn't in my life is because my mom was telling my dad I wasn't his son. The reason that that was so believable is because my dad and my mom's love interest are half brothers. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so my mom was actually with uh, her love interest first. They broke up. She met my dad. 
they had me over some time and then he, he went back to Sacramento not knowing that she was pregnant and then he stepped in and then that became my dad so for the longest time I'm trying to figure out you know this man is now coming into my life and telling me that he wants to take me you know to, to ice cream and you know have a relationship with me and try to build this bond but you're telling me that that's not my dad but I still have to go so there was a lot of tug and pull and confusion so yeah that, you know um I, I can I can blame my dad for not trying harder but you know I don't because if someone's telling you that that's not your kid and you're young I can see why especially by the statistics why he would say okay well if it's not my kid then that's not my kid you know um, yeah but uh but yeah so I really didn't know my dad until I was about six or seven and then from there it was kind of like sporadic you know visitations and then it started getting more serious where he started fighting for custody and I started having a more uh serious routine with going to see him you know every other weekend okay all right so did you eventually leave your mother's home and go move in with your with your father I did I did um at the age of 12 and a half um I, I I moved with my dad and um I say that it was kind of a, a sing, two single parent households, even though they both had somebody because my stepmother, um, it, it was kind of like a, even though I didn't have any uh, siblings right away, I had, she, we, they ended up having a, a, a girl, uh, my, my little sister, uh, but it was kind of like a, a Cinderella, you know, like she didn't really like me much, you know what I mean? Um, the thing sure. that she did like to do was discipline me. And I, I can kind of thank her for the kind of discipline that she gave me. You know, there, there's a kind of discipline where people say, oh my God, will you just beat me? I remember being a kid and being like, you know, hearing my dad lecture me and talk about how disappointed he is in me and sure. this and this. And I'm just like, yo, can you just hit me and get me, get it over with? Like, this is dragging on. Mm-hmm. Do what you're going to do and, and, and let's be on with it. But it never, it never got to that point with my dad and probably because my dad is the martial artist in the family okay and that's how i that how it got passed on to me so he showed a lot of a lot of restraint and um a lot of control especially with knowing what he knows and respecting the arts um but there was disciplines like you know making me hold uh like uh bibles with my arms stretched out or <laughs> you know things like that my, my dad my dad and not getting into religion but um you know if if i told a lie or something like that he would make me uh go into the bible and, and write you know sure. the the verses that pertain the verses, to yeah you know what i did or didn't do yeah writing verses was never fun i had to do that a couple times <laughs> i'm pretty sure i wrote the whole first testament and i'm pretty sure i wrote <laughs> and if not i'm pretty sure i wrote all of psalms and proverbs but um and then he would he would also make me and this is actually how this actually played into my future career as a singer songwriter he would make me write uh the definitions of lies and deceitfulness and dishonesty and okay. you know, things like that so um you know if i got caught chewing gum in class then i'd have to write the definition of the origin of gum you know like it was things like that you know that he did that really okay. ended up shaping i believe it really shaped uh how i figured i wanted to be a parent you know because uh even though i didn't like him in the moment looking back on it now I realized how impactful that was for me. Right. You know? um, so um, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, <But> so <laughs> I would also have to think that it helps you understand and realize that that discipline could be meted out without laying of hands and that there's, Absolutely. there's ways to do things, um, you know, as a parent, as a, you know, uh, to hand, handle the, the issue at, at hand without getting physical. There's other ways around it. And, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, definitely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, by making that commitment to myself that I'd never lay my hands on my kids, my future kids or, or my, my future wife, you know, this seemed to be an alternative because I hated it. So I knew, <laughs> you know, hey, if I can at least be effective in this way, um, sure. I'm not only educating, um, but I'm showing that there's a different, there's a, there's a better way to handle it, you know, because, um, because all I knew with my mom, you know, See, don't get me wrong. I don't want to bash my mom, you know, um, but at the same time, it, it, the truth is the truth. You know, I can't, right. I, I can't, I can only say what I went through, you know, and uh, a lot of people say, you know, what's the hater? A hater is someone who talks about other people without substance. You know what I mean? If I'm mm -hmm. telling you, if I'm saying facts that are necessary, like, hey, you know, you know, Joe, he, he's kind of dishonest. He, he didn't, you know, pay up when you say it was going to pay up. And now it's been some months and, you know, then that that's not hating on you. That's just telling a fact. Now, right. if I'm saying like, oh yeah, he's a sleaze boy. He, you know, he's a bum. And then now, now, now we're hating. That's unnecessary. Right. right? You've got nothing to, to corroborate your story. There's with. no merit, you know, yeah. I mean? there's no yeah, merit yeah. to it. And unfortunately <laughs> it's, it's sad to say, but this, this story, this, this trauma, this pain, has been reiterated to my mom over and over and over again by me and unfortunately by my sisters who were later born and they went through some of the same things not not exactly thank god but um you know some of the same things okay and um we, it comes down to she doesn't love us like she loves her relationship you know she doesn't want to mm -hmm. be alone right my mom was most proud of me when it felt like my mom was most proud of me when um, I would win a martial arts tournament, uh, when I went to prison, which is crazy, um, and not necessarily proud of me, but she would gloat about me the most. And when I signed a record deal. And so those, those things, because she felt like it gave her bragging rights, I guess. And I feel like the prison thing is stems from when I was younger, she would tell when she was no longer with this guy and she was trying to figure out who her next interest was going to be. Um, she would always tell him as a young age, oh, you got to ask my son to date me. Right. And then so you get these, you know, thuggish guys come and say, hey, little man, can I date your mom? And I'm looking at them like, F you. And they're like, oh, he's funny, you know. But then when <laughs> I when I grow up and I'm like, F you, my voice is a little deeper. You're looking at all the martial arts trophies on the on <laughs> that's displayed in the, in the right house. now you're now you're like i'm not gonna ask now it's kind of like a no longer a hey i'm i'm playing around and i'm cute now it's a mono mono like i'm not gonna ask another man for permission you know now you're mm -hmm. you're trying to come into a household that there's already a man established even though i was young my mom established me to be the man of the house right away you know mm -hmm. so you know that kind of led to some fights all the way up to the week i went to prison you know okay so um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been, it's been a roller coaster of a childhood. Yeah. It sounds like it. I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't change it though. 
you know, it definitely, it definitely, it definitely shaped who I am as a man and who I am as a father, who I've decided to become as a father, you know, so I, I it, it's, it sucks, it sucked, <laughs> but right, I'm thankful for it. No, I, I, I think that's very important, though, that you acknowledge the silver lining of, of the situation that you went through. I think because sometimes we can get so buried in in the what happened versus what can I take from what happened. Absolutely. You know, there's and I know it just this saying does not apply to every situation in life, because there are some things where you just cannot take a silver lining out of it. Yeah. Um, but if at all possible. You know, those silver linings, those, those little shimmering, uh, glimmering lights are the things that kind of help us identify where we can make those changes, where we can better ourselves, Definitely. where we can say, okay, well, I use the name Joe earlier, so I'll, I'll use that one again. So Joe showed me that he was going to act this way. Okay. I don't want to act that way. Here's what mm-hmm. I can do to be different than Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so those things help us. So when you're looking back over your life's uh, experiences you're able to see how your mother acted and say okay i don't want to act that way yeah you're able definitely. to see how the 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 men in her life were treating her and her children and you can say i'm never going to do that i don't want to act that way Absolutely. so it's good that you're able to acknowledge that see that and and find the positive for yourself so let's let's talk about how you got to the point of where you decided that i need to be focused on moving forward in my own life we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors and now back to focused on forward prison man um you know like i said a, a week before my my mom and this isn't why i went to prison and um it, i won't go into why we don't need um, to that's fine but uh um i was sentenced to two years and um a week before my mom's then fiance um he was on one side of the door with a desert eagle <laughs> and i was on the other side of the door with oh, a shotgun and he was he was saying you know come outside you know and i'm saying if you step on the property i'm gonna blow through the door and so now we're doing this back and forth and he was trying to he 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 left a message on my mom's you know voicemail saying he was gonna kidnap her and all these other things so it just goes to show you like it up until from my childhood i went to i went to prison at 18 mm-hmm. uh, i'm sorry 19 um up until then her demographic of men and choices never changed so this isn't just something i don't improve my childhood this is something i'm i'm about to be 32 in june uh this is something i've been dealing with my entire life so um but when i went to prison um uh my my girlfriend then my wife now uh she was pregnant um and Part of me was still hardened, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in prison, I gotta be, I gotta be tough, I gotta have this grit about me, you know, uh, they slapped mm-hmm. me for two years, and, you know, it's nothing, I can do that, you know, kind of, that kind of mentality, right? Sure. Inside, I'm freaking out, because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't know what's gonna happen in prison, I've seen blood in, I've blood out, I've seen American me, I've seen, right. <laughs> I've seen all of these, <laughs> I've seen all these documentaries about prison, I don't know why I stayed up all those nights watching uh, Locked Up and all <laughs> these things, but, uh, you know, now I'm kind of like, oh, and I'm in California, and I'm going to San Quentin, oh, man, this is, this is, this is, this is scary, you know, right, uh, but, 
that all changed for me because um, shortly after my son was born, actually day of, we found out that uh, he had cancer. He, he tested positive for TMD leukemia and Down syndrome. Oh. Um, and at that point, I was like, look, it's no longer about me. Like, it's, it's not about me anymore. You know, I have another life to live. And if I have to die in order for him to live, then please take me now. Like, I don't care what it means I have to do. What do I have to do? You know? Um, and, uh, you know, my, my spirit was leading me to say, hey, do you want to be foolish or do you want to be a father? You know? And um, I wasn't ready to, to commit. I mean, I would say, yeah, I'm ready to be a father, but I wasn't ready to commit my emotions. I wasn't ready to commit my mentality. I was just saying it. It was, it was a uh, very surface. I didn't, I wasn't, right. I wasn't meaning it. I wasn't ready to let go of my pride. Pride to me is the killer of everything. It's a silent killer. Oh, pride absolutely. Killer. Oh yeah. Pride to kill your relationships, pride to kill everything. Yeah. Right? Um, every negative comment that comes out of your mouth, every every negative thought that comes, you know, to your to your head, you know, every negative action that you do comes to pride, you know, mm-hmm. and um, or comes down to pride. And I wasn't ready to let it go yet. I was too proud. And uh, finally when I found out he had cancer and I wasn't, I may not see my son. That's kind of when I was like, okay, what can I do from here? And I applied to uh, give him a, a bone marrow transplant, but in the state of California, you're not allowed to do that. Um, so uh, with the bone marrow transplant denial, I, I went down this rabbit hole of feeling like I'm useless. I'm nothing. You know, what can I do? From there, I I made the decision. I got to focus on getting out of here. I got to focus on not only getting out of here, but what am I going to do after I get out of here? You know, the record deal is over. You know, I, I, uh, that, that's, that's done. Um, And maybe we can talk about that another time, but you know, I was, I was signed to Sony um, for, for two years. Uh, right out of high school, uh, from 2000, 2006 to 2008. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, and then I went to prison in 2008, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it kind of, kind of went down this bad spiral. Um, but what can I do for myself? What can I do to better my son? I, I feel like I failed him already because I, I haven't, I haven't broken the generational curse of, imprisonment you know mm-hmm. you know you see you see you know we live in a day and age of this you know activism and you know racial injustice and justice whatever and I, I don't like to talk politics but when it comes to the statistics of african-american men in prison mm-hmm. it's 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 high <laughs> it's Understood, high yeah you know um and so i and, and when i speak on generational curses i do mean my bloodline but I also mean men that look like me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because now, not only is it a generational curse because it's in my generation, but now I'm following a statistical st- uh, trend. And I wanted to break that 
I had every desire to break that and I failed. So I felt like I'm failing my son. Okay, so what can I do in here? So I started getting my college credits. I started doing whatever I needed to do in order to get myself from here to here so that when the doors open up for me and I see the wall, the, the life again, I have a path, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, for me, focusing on forward started when I was in San Quentin and I was, I was ready to, to move on. Um, most times in people's lives, well, we, we never have all the answers, right? Um, I tell people all the time on my podcast, don't ever come to my podcast or, or tune into my podcast thinking I have all the answers or I'm going to give you the answers or tell you how to do something. I'm right. going to tell you how I'm doing it. And if it works for you, great. If you have exactly. a better way to do it, I'm open to hear it. You know, this is all about iron sharpening iron. This is about you helping me, me helping you right. as, as men, as fathers and for the women that tune in as well. But, you know, I, I, I had more questions on <laughs> what can I do to be better than uh, dwelling on why am I still here? How did I get myself here? Prison is full of men who are saying, because this happened to me, because this happened to me, because this happened to me, this is why I, I am the way I am. As opposed to saying, because this happened to me, this happened to me, and this happened to me, this is why I refuse to be the way. You right. Know. So um, for me, what happened to me why I went to prison had nothing to do with you know what happened to me it was just a a choice that I that I made and I, I paid the price for it sure so yeah there's a difference there though between uh placing blame and accepting responsibility absolutely so you, so you can say yeah all these things happened and I so it it made me do these things that's yeah. placing blame or yeah. you can say uh, all these things happened and this is why I did what I did this is why I made the choice I made which is sounds like what you did you yeah. acknowledge the fact that you made some poor decisions that led to a poor uh, outcome, a poor consequence. And, but it sounds like you've learned a, a great lesson from that. And I think that's reflected in, in our conversation. And, and frankly, the conversations that I've heard uh, on your own, uh, on your own podcast there. Yeah. So, and speaking of your podcast, let's talk about that. Let's jump forward uh, a few years okay. uh, to the point of starting the podcast for you. So what was the impetus for you wanting to start hashtag dad swag uh another another defining who am i moment you know so we fast forward some years right um i got home and uh statistically i shouldn't be in the position that i'm in now um you know i i I won't go to the company but i I run a big branch in the state of california so um and uh (laughs) because of my educational background, I didn't, I never finished college. Uh, I just got college credits, you know, just to keep my mind busy, my, mm-hmm. you know, my body busy, um, and out of trouble, <laughs> you know, um, cause St. Quinn's a violent place. So if you weren't doing something, then they'd be asking you to do something else. So as long as I wasn't in eyesight of people, then I, I could be, you know, maneuvered differently. Now, um, you know, for, for me, I've been, I've been blessed to have the position I'm in, but I shouldn't have it. And so I don't take that for granted. And I work, I work my ass off, you know, for that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I work hard um, because I know that it's always in my, it's always in my mind. I beat out somebody who went to Yale. I beat out somebody who, you know, has these credentials and I didn't have it. So this is, um, I'm not going to take for granted. Well, when you have a family, 
as a man, men, sometimes we, we get very complacent in our marriages. Mm-hmm. And that's another silent killer. But complacency is also pride. <laughs> so again, it goes yeah. down to pride, right? But complacency in marriage, I was telling my guys at work, you know, if you get complacent here, I'm going to fire you because I want you to be comfortable. And comfortable means that you can come in on your shift and I can say, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z before you, you clock out. And comfortability says, oh, yeah, I'm good with that. I can do that and I can move. Complacency says, hey, I did my aid. I'm going to leave, right? right? Doing the bare minimum complacency in your marriage and i'm telling my guys this but i'm not following it right at least not to the letter i'm not a debbie husband or debbie father but i could always be better it's about that one percent better and um you know i'd come home and oh god forbid it be football season (laughs) because you know my (laughs) wife would have dinner made and the boys would already be saved and she you know she'd uh this is when i was you know uh you know drinking a beer every now and then you know she she'd bring me a beer and she'd and if it was Thursday night football, you know that that doesn't end until about nine o'clock. So the boys are already asleep. My wife is already asleep. I'm coming upstairs, taking a shower, going to bed. I don't see them when they wake up, you know, so it's like I don't see them, you know. So that mm-hmm. was being a shell of a father. That wasn't being right. a present father. Um, physically present is different from being uh, uh, invested, right? Oh, so, absolutely. Um, I got hurt. I got I got severely hurt and again i i I can't go into details but i was Mm -hmm. run over um and uh and i was i was determined to be uh temporary totally disabled and that was five days before the pandemic hit for for california at least before i shut down Mm -hmm. and um i I went down another rabbit hole man i was like yeah who who am i without a paycheck you know, who am I as a man? Who am I as a husband? Who am I as a father? When I'm not bringing in this paycheck, and understand that what feeling. do I what do I provide? And I couldn't answer it. And that's where these questions came in. Who am I? And if you can't answer that question, then you have to do some soul searching. Well, I was bedridden, <laughs> so I had nothing but time to do soul searching. But you know, what was soul crushing is every time I heard the door close, I knew my wife was going out there to fend for herself. In a mm-hmm. time where there was a pandemic and people were snatching up toilet paper left and right and sanitizer and meat and canned foods and everything. And, you know, it looked like uh, I am legend in the stores. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my wife out there doing it. That was my wife bringing the groceries up. You know, I, I pride myself. Look, I pride myself on being a one take, Jake. You asked me to get all the groceries, groceries from the car. One take. I'm, I'm bringing all back. I don't mm-hmm. care. It could be three cases of water and <laughs> it don't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm don't, worry, I, don't worry. I got this. <laughs> I got this. And, um, you know, but for her, I knew she wasn't not that she's not capable of it, but she, she wouldn't do that. So it's multiple trips upstairs, downstairs to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm processing all this while I'm laying in the bed and I'm looking at the news and the news doesn't make it any easier. You're, you're looking at the news and they're saying, yo, this is happening and this is happening and this right. is happening. And you're kind of like, oh my God, my wife is into that. So the question was, who am I as a man? Who am I as a father? Oh, I'm sorry. I always say husband first and then father second um, because my wife in my book comes first because she's who I'm building my family with. My kids are who I'm building my family for. And I think that concept people lose sight of. And that's when relationships kind of get iffy right uh when you start I like that when you start forgetting that you guys are 
not you and me, Tim, but, but you, I'm I was saying my I, wife is in front of me. I, I was picking up what you're laying down. We're good. <laughs> but, um, but you know, when you start when you start forgetting that you and your wife are the foundational pieces, right? And then that your kids are the building blocks. That's kind of where your foundation gets shaky, and you start losing sight of each other. So I would say, uh, me as a man, me as a husband, and then me as a father. Who am I in those? And I couldn't answer that. And I started going to Instagram and uh, looking at all these dad pages and what I can do if I'm injured and things like that. And some of the answers I couldn't answer that weren't answering my questions. Mm -hmm. So I started a podcast. I started well. I started writing it down first. I started writing a lot of these questions down. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask him in a podcast. And so uh, my first run of it was uh, just going live on Instagram and Facebook while I was injured, just looking at myself saying, hey, I'm back. I got a question. You know, what do you guys mm -hmm. do when it feels like this? What do you guys do when your kids aren't calling for you and you haven't been in the room for an hour? You know, does it feel like you're absent? Does it feel like they could care less, you, you know, do you feel like they could care less about your presence if you are are not in the room, you know, um, and how does that make you guys feel? So these questions started kind of developing a podcast. And then I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do this full time. <laughs> you know, there I you don't go. know if I want to go back to work. So how can I do it the best? You know, and then I started just pumping out content just and everything starts with a question, um, even though the title may be, you know, something like uh, generational curses. You know, the question is, what are generational curses? Right. Know, and how does mm -hmm. it affect my life? You know, and from there, I just I just go about it being as transparent and honest and vulnerable, you know, as I can be. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I that I am a subscriber to your to your show. And and one of the things I do honestly love about your your show is that the transparency. And it's not just from you. I find that your guests, from what I can tell, are laying it as much on the line as you are yeah. as to what they're talking about, how they felt, why they felt that way, what they're doing to better themselves and better their families and, and better, you know, their relationships with their children. And so for me, that's, it's, it's a very encouraging podcast. So I strongly, again, strongly encourage my listeners, if you're not already subscribing to hashtag dad swag, you really should be, uh, especially if you're a father. Uh, you're a husband, you know, uh, just give it a listen. I, there is something that you will take from that, that, that has uh, value to what you're doing now and in the future. So, all right. And so we're at the point now, uh, JC, in the show where I'd like to, to ask people, uh, and I ask uh, every single guest the following two questions. Okay. So looking back over the entirety of your journey, what is the single greatest lesson that you have learned? Just be true to yourself. You can lie to everybody else. You can't lie. Only you know if you're putting in the work. Only you know if you're putting in the effort. Only you know in your heart if you're genuine. And uh, you know when you're when you're true to yourself and and you're you're uh, you follow that. If that's your focal point, that's going to tell you all you need to know about who you are and who you want to be. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, real quick, if I'm just spitballing off the top of my head, the biggest thing I learned is to be true to myself. And, and 
and you know another example of that is kind of in the music industry you know um i have uh i've taken a step back from the music industry because i wasn't being true to myself you know i i grew a passion for music from 80s 90s r b the music that was making me popular was music that that was disrespectful to my wife and would humiliate my kids you know me singing about being in a strip club and i've never been to a strip club in my life you know so i wasn't being true to myself okay um, and sometimes sometimes when when uh you know you 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 seek uh validation from other people you find it but it's not true validation right sure. so you have to validate yourself and be true to yourself first. And then people will accept you for who you are. All right. Excellent. I like that. All right. The second question, which is pretty similar in its nature, looking back over your journey, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've been given? <laughs> kind of the same thing. So be a man of your word. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of simple and super, super cliche. I know a lot of people say it, but not a lot of people execute it. You know, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes and let your handshake be firm. You know, um, okay. when I when I promise something to my kids, it happens. I promise something to my wife, it happens. I don't, if I don't promise you something, I shouldn't have to promise you something for you to know that it's it's true, right? It should just be my word. But if I'm saying, hey, yeah, this is guaranteed, believe in guarantee, I'll go through hell and high water to make it happen. But I won't okay. promise something I can't guarantee. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those are the two things. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So where can people go to find out more about hashtag dad swag and JC? Where can they where's the best place for people to look for you? Yeah. Um, right now, uh, if you want to catch the podcast, uh, we are launching uh, season two on the 1st of April. So we'll be back. Uh, with a bang on season two and uh you can find it on all major streaming platforms apple spotify iheart um pandora and amazon um and my instagram is dad swag podcast and my facebook is hashtag dad swag and if you ever have any questions concerns advice um you just need an ear um, I check my emails and I check my DMs and I get back to everybody. It's something I pride myself on is I get back to everybody. Even if it's not right away, I promise you I get back to you uh, and it's me. <laughs> it's not somebody posing as me. It's not somebody running my account. It's me because I really believe in iron sharpening iron. And I really stand by the fact that if I can help you, if you can help me, then why not? <laughs> you know, so uh, I'm here for you you know um if you need a, a ear if you need some advice if you just want to rant if you want to say hey i hate your show i'm here for all of it so uh, reach <laughs> out to me any way you can <laughs> excellent all right well very good and i and i hope that people do just that um it's again i've said it a couple times but it's a show worth following and a show worth uh paying attention to it has my attention so again jc thank you so much for for coming on today thank you for for having a frank and open conversation with us here about about your life what you've gone through how you've become focused on forward i think it's a, a very good story of resiliency so thank you for sharing appreciate the opportunity and the platform man i love what you're doing 
please okay, continue you. to do what you're doing. A lot of people need these amazing stories of success and how to focus on forward. And you're providing that, man. So thank you. Oh, thank you. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email, focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.